Here at She's in the Game, we acknowledge that this episode is recorded in the lands of the Wongal people and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people listening with us today. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode and we've got a special treat for the listeners out there. Uh, The talented Benji Hoppet making his debut on a podcast. He uh, joins us and he's our first guest that actually is one of our teammates and uh, for good reason, he's still pretty interesting, but um, he's not one of our teammates, but he's still in amongst the group. He's a three-time marathon runner and most recently ran a time of two hours, 55 minutes and eight seconds at the Boston Marathon. However, how we became good friends with Benji is due to the fact that he watches pretty much every ball that we face, bowl or catch. He's our full-time analyst at the New South Wales Breakers and the Sydney Sixers, as well as the winning Mumbai Indians in the inaugural WPL. He shares his running journey through his TikTok page, Benji.run, so just plugging that there, give him a follow, with 130K likes across his page and 4,000 followers. So the big dog Benji joined us making his podcast debut. Welcome to She's in the Game. There you go. Thank you for having me. Um, Podcast debut. Hopefully I'll give you more than two minutes of content for the potty debut but now it'd be good to look back on when you know you guys have thousands of episodes yeah, thousands yeah. of guests and be like yeah. no i was there i was like the fifth guest so you know no, i'm pretty so pretty keen for that no good comment good, good start now you you got back in the country yesterday after a marathon but also a pretty heavy stint on the road so whether it's been back in australia for what like a day or two in between india and um, then heading off to the US, it feels like probably. But how's the body feeling? And sort of, what, what are we looking forward to this little stretch at home? Yeah, I've been looking forward to this stretch at home for a while. Um, it's been a crazy uh, couple of months. I mean, saying to people, it's been like I've been like the main character for a couple of months. Like so used to being we like love main character. Yeah, energy. main character vibes. <laughs> um, you know, been in the background, you know, with work or whatever. But yeah, obviously going to India was a crazy experience and. The last probably, yeah, three months since probably the start of Feb, I've been home for like two weeks. So it's yeah. been like, it's been mental. So I've gone to India twice and, and then also the US. So yeah, been really keen for this little stretch at home. Obviously off season. So happy to have a couple of weeks just to chill by the beaches. Hopefully some more days like this. Nice sunny yeah, blue skies in, in Sydney today. So make the most of that before it starts getting cold uh, is the plan. And then we'll, we'll go in for pre-season and, and get into it again. Just off air, you're talking to us about the the jet lag. Um, how's it been like settling back into the Aussie time zone? Yeah, good. Um, honestly, my body doesn't know where it's been the last like three months. To be honest, like True. going India. like yeah, like India. India's what five and a half hours behind or something. But then even in India, like I'm sure we'll get into it later. But you know, it's not like a wake up at seven and yeah. go to bed at ten. Like their hours are pretty whack. Um, and then obviously the US, you're, you're so all over the place too and, and different time zones there like West Coast and East Coast and stuff. So yeah, back in the country at about 8 a.m. yesterday morning. So trying to get through the day with a couple of coffees and didn't quite get there. Had a bit of a crash late Ivo. I wanted to try and get through the day and, and try and sleep. Missed and, dinner, you said. Earlier. Yeah, yeah, missed dinner. So filthy about that. So uh, catching up today. But yeah, hopefully the next day or two we're, we're back in regular programming. Yeah, nice. Now, let's start with the recent marathon, uh, Boston Marathon, pretty freaking cool. Uh, how how did it compare to the other ones? Yeah, um, crazy experience at, at Boston. So uh, it's one of the, the world majors, so the six um, world major marathons around the world. So um, I said three-time marathon, which is weird. I've never heard anyone actually say that. Um, so that's funny. But, yeah, I've obviously done a couple in, in Australia and um, – you know, they're, you know, they're big events and they're quite cool. But, um, yeah, Boston is just, just another level. So, you know, with the tens of thousands of participants and um, the the way the, the whole city gets around it, I mean, like people are pretty much lining the streets from, from the start to the finish for 42K and, wow. you know, a couple of people deep and just cheering and screaming and it's just absolutely mental experience. Um, really, really cool. Glad to have to tick that one off. I guess being in an atmosphere like, yeah, Boston Marathon, was it, one of the easier marathons you've done considering there was so much energy and external support going on around you or was it just as hard as the other ones that you've ran? Yeah, it's interesting. Like um, marathon running, like running in packs and stuff is 
better than running by yourself. Like, obviously, there's a bit of head noise that goes on during a marathon anyway. Um, so when you buy a normal run, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so when you by yourself, like obviously, that's a bit of a challenge. But um, obviously, we're all we're all seated in different waves and different start times and stuff. So you're generally running around people that have a similar PB or whatever to oh, you. Okay. So you're generally running with the same kind of people um, along the way, which does make it easier because you can kind of switch off mentally and, and you haven't dropped off to running like five-minute Ks or something like yeah. you're still running. And That's that, pretty freaking yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't like, haven't dropped off. <laughs> yeah, nah, um, haven't dropped off majorly. But, you know, there are a few hills in Boston, um, you know, four or five pretty big hills which are like towards the back end. Yeah, so it's not an easy course, is it? No, so it's a weird one. Like it's net downhill, like you you finish up a fair way downhill, but, you know, people say the marathon, like it only starts at like 34K, yeah. 35K, well, that's like halfway. So you want to be feeling pretty good. Um, otherwise, those last like seven or eight k, are, are, you're going to battle a fair bit. So, and that's where all the hills are in Boston. It's around that sort of thirty k mark. So, if you haven't, yeah, if you haven't got anything in the tank, then it, you know you could go to pieces. Whereas the couple I've done in in Oz are, are pretty flat. So, again, yeah, it's all the people around that are there to pick you up, which is so cool. But yeah, a bit of a hillier course was a bit of a challenge as well. Did you make any mates along the course? Uh, not along the course. I'm yeah. I'm pretty locked into my running, <laughs> but. Yeah, like on, on the way there. So it's a bit of a obviously massive event. Like they've just got buses and buses of um, people to take you to the start line and stuff. So again, that was a bit of a weird one. So a lot of my Oz marathons, it's like a 6 a.m. start or 7 a.m. start. Like that's when you start running. Um, whereas in Boston, I think my bus left to go to the start line um, at like 6.45, but I didn't start running till 10. So I was like, I had, I had yeah, so yeah. many hours. So, you know, like Jeez. nutrition and stuff. Like it was a lot of things to think about. Um, but no, like you sit on the bus, so you sit next to someone on the bus and yeah, um, yeah have a good chat and make a few friends yeah. and then you're all kind of waiting in the waiting area for a while and, yeah, you chat and, again, like obviously it's such an international event, you know, there's, there's people from all over all over the world and different running journeys and, and things like that. So, yeah, pretty special. I had no idea. That would rock me, like sitting on a bus, nervous energy and then just chilling, like hanging around. You got like obviously – was there a few people in that sort of like waiting time that were like going and doing what do they call strides or yeah strides yeah so it's so funny like everyone's everyone's got like their own little warm up or whatever um so there were like these big tents and it was like starting to rain a bit and it was quite cold and mm. the grass was wet so everyone else had a little like um, mat to like sit down on and obviously I didn't get that memo because I didn't <laughs> I didn't have that and I was like sit oh on your hat. yeah I, I, I thought this little plastic bag with like all my food and stuff and I'm like. I'm going to take it all my food and I'm sitting on this plastic bag. I thought I was pretty smart at the time. But, you know, some people are like chilling and some people got their phones and like listening to music and stuff and other people are just like running laps and warming up. And I'm like, man, like 42 Ks is a long yeah. way. Like, you know, you don't want to Reserve that yeah, spend all your energy before you actually need it. But, um, yeah, it was so interesting. Like, you know, race day, everyone talks about race day morning and, you know, what the best prep is and, you know, how much you should eat and when you should eat it and stuff like that. So that was a completely new experience. Mm-hmm. So, you know, instead of waking up at 5 a.m. to leave at 6 and get to a start line at 7, like having all that time was was a different experience. Yeah. But, yeah, pretty cool. What did you do in the lead up to the start of the race? Like talk us through the What's morning, your individual up? race? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I think um, – Again, Boston was a bit different. So I think I was up at about 4.30. So yeah, I kind of wake up, have a coffee, you know, caffeine good, endurance performance, yeah, yeah. that kind of stuff. So, um, And it's all about carbs. So you're trying to get as many carbs as you can because uh, obviously that's that's all the energy you're going to use in the race. So get up um, and you want to have foods that you've had before, like things that are going to sit in your gut pretty well. Like you don't want to be trying too many new things on race day because that, that could be carnage. What'd you um, go for? Yeah, so I'm a, a coffee, just a black coffee. Um, and then a couple of bits of normally peanut butter toast with bananas, but the US pretty big on their bagels, big yes. bagel culture, oh, which I really good. got into yeah. while I was there because it's all about the carb load. So I'm like, oh, bagels, you know, I can have yeah. a couple of extra bagels. So it's peanut butter and banana bagel. Just like another muesli bar as well, all the carbs. And then probably left about quarter to six get a little Uber down to Boston where the finish line was, like in the city, Um, because it's just a start to finish race, like a point A to point B. So like the start line is literally like 42 Ks away from the city and then you finish in the city. So um, yeah, bus was 6.45, I think, and it was about 45 minutes on the bus. Um, So again, once you get there, it was like two hours to kill, literally like sitting there lining up for Portaloos, trying to eat like just different things, (laughs) watching everyone go about their different warm-ups and stuff. 
Um, and then, yeah, probably got to about 9.30, you start getting ushered into your wave towards the start line. It was about a K walk to the start line. So, so. did you have anything into anything to eat in between getting there and then the start of the race? Yeah. Um, yeah, I had a couple of like different muesli bars yeah. and carb bars and stuff. Because, um, again, yeah, like you just sort of doing it on the fly as well. Like you don't know what's going to work. Bank as well. Yeah, like and you want to eat as much as you can but then – again like you need it to sit right because then during the race you're having a lot of gels which are all just carbs and again like they don't like sit in your stomach real well either so it's actually um yeah a bit of an issue but yeah so trying to get up early have a big block of carbs and a bit of a carb load in that couple of days before uh, and then yeah just trying to top up as much as i could towards the race without feeling like too heavy but you know you really do need that fuel as well so yeah, little bits along the way. Yeah, it's see, crazy. there's more to it. It's yeah. more than a running discipline. It's yeah. all about trying to manage the nutrition. I think I learned that with Davey when he was yeah. training for Ironman. Yeah. It's, they say it's a, a four-discipline sport, the, the silent one being nutrition. So yeah, it's, it's just like an eating contest, yeah. like an Ironman. Yeah. Like, literally there all day, and it's like, how much can you eat and refuel while you're on the go? It's, yeah, pretty yeah. crazy. The on-the-go part gets me. Like, that's great. Like, they really you doing the gels while you're running yeah yeah so you don't stop so oh, just an easy like you just bite off the top yeah, and you train you train you use gels yeah. you get yeah. ready for it it's not like you just crack a gel for the first time mid mara yeah kind of like, how do i get this open yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh twist no yeah um yeah such an incredible effort man like how the heck do you just find ways to get through a mara like yeah, I, I don't know did it's you a, have music uh no so I'm a big guy. I'm like, you know, people listen to music and stuff in a race and, you know, when you train and stuff, listen to amazing podcasts like this one oh, or I'm music. Again, it's a lot of like a lot of training, a lot of hours. You've got to find some stuff to get through through the hours. But um, on a race, I'm a big like no headphones guy. Like, you know, like you've got to do a race, like do it properly. Well. Yeah, you want to hit the crowd. But like, you know. Benji. Yeah. <laughs> Benji runs. <Get> <laughs> <laughs> yeah um now some yeah big no headphones person in the race so again like it's it's so much head noise so an event like boston is cool because from start to finish there are always people there on the side just yelling and screaming like and it's a, a mental experience uh so there's like a lot going on to keep you motivated and you know focus and, and keep you going as you know some of the smaller ones back in oz and there's like no one on the road like you don't see anyone for like 10k or you do like four laps and you see someone like once every four laps it's a very different experience. Like it's a lot of head noise. Like you know, going through the race, um, you've got different different paces and different times that you want to hit. Uh, so you know, you're, you're trying to check things like that, and you I know, guess trying that's to keeping you occupied. The mind ticking over, always knowing that you're trying to hit certain things. Yeah, definitely. And you know, all the prep, like you sit there and look at the layout of a course. You know, where are they going to be uphills or downhills, and um, you know, different water stations or gel stations and things like that. So, you know, knowing, oh, I'm only this far away from a hill or, you know, oh, I'm up that, that hill, that's the last hill, you know, now I can try and cruise home. So, yeah, there's a lot a lot of different things that go on inside your head when, when you're running one, but, you know, it just makes it all all sweeter. Once, once you get to that finish line, it's a pretty cool feeling. Yeah, it's unreal. You spent a bit of time in the States both both pre and post Mara. What did you get up to in terms of recovery, training, balancing that, but also enjoying what I think is your first time in the States in terms of enjoying um, a little bit of travel? Yeah, uh, so it was second time. I think the first time I went, I was only like 10. So it's pretty much my first time. <laughs> first time you remember. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it wasn't all the Disneyland and yeah. stuff this time. Like, you can go do a few more things. But yeah, it's a funny one because obviously a marathon build is quite a big one. So it might be like a 12 or 16 week kind of process. That's a long time. Um, and you tend to taper before the race. So it's a big, uh, big drop in the amount that you're running, both. Um, you know, amount of times a week and, and overall load. So you go down to maybe running 100Ks a week to to like 60 and then 50 or whatever before the race. So it's a big drop just to try and get the legs good to go for race day. So I think, yeah, I got over there, uh, went to New York for about 10 days before the race. So again, that's like the same time zone and stuff. So it gave me a bit of time to acclimatize and get into it. Um, but again, yeah, I've had a pretty weird prep, like not really being at home over in India and sort of flying all over the shop so normally i'd probably go for a two-week taper before the race this one was only a one week so i started a bit of quality training uh to get through um before race day while i was there so but i mean that was pretty cool like we're in new york we're staying pretty close to central park and that's like a runner's dream like yeah. honestly it's so cool so many different loops you can do and you know this big like concrete jungle skyscrapers everywhere and you know it's just this massive park and 
um, you know, so many runners like doing their thing and people walking, like families, like just such a cool environment. So, yeah, probably got like four or five runs over in Central Park, uh, New York before the race, which is cool. But, yeah, trying to sort of tick that off at the start of the day so then we can go and explore what we want to explore or, you know, we watched quite a lot of sport while we were there. So, getting sinking our teeth into that. And then, yeah, got down to Boston, did the run, and then, yeah, had about a week in LA. So, again, just watching a bit of sport and, and trying to chill out. And we had pretty good weather, so just in the sun, um, yeah, pretty chill. You're a bit of a coffee snob. How did you go over in the US? I ba- battled big time, <laughs> um, absolutely battled. I brought, like, a couple of parachutes and stuff, like, in case of emergency. But, yeah, I learned pretty quickly. Like, I'm a big, like, yeah, black coffee person. Um, but, you know, the beans have got to be right and, and stuff like yeah, that. So, you go. <laughs> <laughs> but you go, like, yeah, add a couple of black coffees or, like, drip coffees and stuff um, over there. And, yeah, they, they definitely weren't it. So, I battled a bit, um, but yeah, my first coffee back on my machine oh. this morning, and oh, Heaven. it was yeah, unreal. Yeah. Nothing I'm better. I'm you didn't walk in with a coffee. Yeah, oh, I had one on the way. Yeah, so yeah. you know you yeah. can't. I know I'm trying to like stay awake, but you can't. Yeah. You can't go too hard too early. <laughs> in terms of um, recovery, what what were your strategies to I guess get ready for the race, but also post? How did you feel? Yeah, so like your legs are shot after a marathon, especially Boston. You know, a few hills, and especially the downhill, like just kills your quads. Mm, it so, does. Um, I was trying to explain to someone the other day. It's like like both your quads are just been like a punching bag for like a whole round of someone oh, training it's like bang it's like every time you're walking like tender yeah right in the middle of your quads and and you feel it like on top of the cars and your sore feet and stuff mm. like that so you're pretty sore for a while so uh yeah it was about five or six days of not running post marrow which is weird when you're used to yeah, running like every say, day yeah, yeah, that yeah. Been tough for you. rocks you a bit but yeah. um yeah five or six days off and then you know we're slowly building into it now nothing crazy but you know this week i might run three or four times for 5k each time and you know slowly just make sure the body's right before we get into another big build did you take the normal text over no (laughs) my my suitcase like bursting at the seams when we went over there and then i'm like buying stuff and i'm like this is not going to fit on top of like obviously bringing over a lot of shoes and stuff as well which is something you wouldn't normally do but you know, I've got to go bring my race shoes, two pairs of daily trainers, some other speed shoes that aren't my race shoes because I want to keep my race shoes yeah. good. Like, there's so much to think about. Like when you start, you're like, oh, you know, I'm going to run just because, you know, it's a pretty cheap sport and, yeah. you know, good for your health. And all of a sudden you've got like 10 pairs of shoes and different watches and, you know, all these different clothes and yeah. entering marathons and flying over the world. And it's like, oh, that's yeah, not it's- as cheap as I thought it was. <laughs> but, yeah, you get into it pretty quickly. Right. I didn't realise how many shoes that you took over yeah well like you, you go through they say you know if you put like 400 or 500 k's into a shoe then like that should probably be it and if i'm running like 100k a week and that's like five weeks that's yeah, like not true. a long period of time All so right. well if anyone out there's listening has connections to shoes yeah hit up benji yeah runs. we wouldn't mind a, a few free pairs yeah. benji dot runs happy to do a plug for you if you need Speaking <laughs> of runs it's actually a tiktok page and something that developed to show your passion of running but also just a bit of an insight into how you plan your training there's been shoe unboxing videos there's been vlogs a bit of everything i know we in all in the squad we're like oh we've got to watch benji runs like what's the new vlog today even my brother randomly he like saw you at the scg like, <laughs> yeah that's benji runs on tiktok i'm like yeah, yeah he also works for like cricket new south but yeah. it's crazy like it's actually a really cool page i enjoy watching the the videos we also help out with some of the content when we can we take some videos and stuff for benji but how did that all start what was the idea were you just an avid tiktok watcher it started the three six five days of- yeah yeah, yeah bang okay. on yeah no, so it's the origin um yeah as we all do we love a little scroll on on the tiki um and it never like really crossed my mind to do anything like i'm generally not a real creative person um but then i think i've just been watching a couple of people that were you know doing these big streaks of you know workouts or running or whatever and i was like you know that might be a really cool thing to do um and then thought about it. it was like right towards the end of the year and then it was like first of january um and i was like okay i'm gonna do like 365 days so 2022 i was like yeah i'm gonna do something every day so i was like you know day one day two day three and i was like you know it's just good content like you suck at I, it for ages yeah i think covid struck me down yeah i got covid in like may yes, and that's right so i got to like 120 days or something in a row and then covid yeah didn't agree with me so that wasn't great but um yeah we stuck by it so we stopped a little streak but 
Yeah, it's funny. Like what started out as probably more of a self-accountability kind of thing, like, you know, trying to get back into some fitness and, and stuff. And all of a sudden you have the same people that, you know, liking your videos and commenting and sort of following along the journey. And you're like, no, this is pretty cool. Like, you know, it's not just about me, but it's nice little interactions with people you have along the way as well. And um, yeah, it's been a fun little passion project. I guess. Yeah, I think yeah. it's really cool. I think, yeah, like you said, you started it as this yeah, self-accountability piece and it's evolved into something that's really cool and you've created a genuine community of people who are like not only supporting you but also you're inspiring them to get out and go for a run. I think that's really cool. And uh, I'd like to see what the next year of uh, Benji.Runs turns into. But has anyone ever come up to you and, and recognised you and gone, oh, well, that's Benji from TikTok or uh, any <laughs> races in Oz? Uh, a couple of people sometimes, so... You know, some people come up and say hello or, you know, you come back and you get a DM and be like, oh, I just saw you running because yeah. I didn't want to come say hello. Um, <laughs> running to HD. Oh, yeah. Yeah, on the beaches. I was a, I was a fan. Oh, I yeah. yeah. My brother. Yeah, that was a big one. Uh, yeah, at the SCG, I think really it was cool. a Swans, Swans-Giants game maybe or maybe just a Swans game. And he was like, Benji runs. And I was like, who the hell is calling out <laughs> Benji runs? I think it was like pretty early doors at that stage. It was, it was. Uh, then- yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm like Mado's brother. And I'm like, oh, it's really cool. And he's got his own page. He's doing some, he does, some great yeah, things as well. Read so Brown Golf. Read Brown Golf. Um, we all need help. <laughs> yeah, I definitely need help. So I'm uh, watching a whole lot of that content. But it has been fun. Yeah, you know, you different, get different messages and comments and stuff along the way. And no one really over in Boston, but... I reckon I was walking back on the plane yesterday and then you know, you're just walking through. double the, takes? Yeah, like walking through the aisle and, yeah. you know, a couple of kids, you're like, oh, that's Benji Bruns. And I'm like, <laughs> that's so that's funny. So like good. living life is the main character. No, nah, it's, it's cool, it's, man. It's I love bizarre, it. It's bizarre, so strange. Really, it's really cool. I think, yeah, it's it's awesome like what you've done. Like as I said, I think you've inspired a lot of people to – to take up running. I know Chopper's out there running a few laps now and I reckon he's probably inspired by you. One thing that you did share on your TikTok, it's not only running, but was the experience that you had in India um, and trying to run over there. So obviously before heading over to Boston, you got picked up as an analyst for the Mumbai Indians uh, in the WPL and it was how many weeks out before the, the race, maybe five or six? Um, yeah, so I reckon it was like eight or nine weeks um, before the race itself, but... You're over there for like a week for the auction as well before yeah. that. So, you know, I talk about that marathon builds like, you know, proper 12-week, like intense build and I was like barely at home for those 12 weeks. Yeah. So, it wasn't ideal. An opportunity obviously you can't turn down but what was the experience like over in India trying to prepare for a marathon? Like what did what did you do? I saw on uh, Benji runs, you tried to go for a few runs outside and you have a couple of stories I'd like to, you to share with everyone but um, then you made your way to the treddy. What was it like knowing that you had to – run 30 odd k's in a treadmill yeah it's um mentally <laughs> pretty confronting experience like as i said marathon there's a lot of head noise as it is and you're trying to do a lot of running on the treadmill that's probably even worse um yeah i mean you tend to do a lot of running outside and a lot of your workouts you're trying to hit like specific times and things and then running on a treadmill just like mechanically is completely different uh, so it was physically challenging in a different way and mentally challenging but yeah, I reckon I got pretty famous in the hotel gym by the end there. They, they only had two treadmills. So every morning or whenever it was, like I'd wake up and go through and then I'm like, there better not be two people on the treadmill today because like I'm not waiting. Yeah. I'll go back downstairs and come up. And by the end, like some of the hotel people that worked in the gym, they're like wanting to get photos and stuff. And they're really? like, oh, yeah, like I must have spent so much time in there. And they're like, oh, you know, like. You were on there for a long He's time a yesterday. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm like, yeah, it was like three hours on the treadmill and they're just like, what is going on? So I reckon it was nearly added up. It was like 400 Ks on the treadmill whoa, at the time whoa. I was in India. So um, yeah, giving it a workout. But the funny thing was the treadmills only went up to 60 minutes. Like that was the oh, max. Right. <laughs> yeah, so every time I had like a long run, I had to run for like three hours. Gym like station. Literally I'd run for like 60 minutes and then it would just cut out on me and then I'd have to like restart it and go again for another hour, then <laughs> restart and go again. Go again. <laughs> yeah, so um, it was definitely an experience. Oh, that's so impressive, honestly. I, I don't know how you've done that. How was the – so you did – but you did try to run outside. How was that experience like? Yeah, I tried to run outside once, which definitely wasn't my smartest move. Again, like a lot of pollution and stuff in India um, – makes it quite hard on the lungs and you know quite hot and stuff too and i think i tried it like midway through so i'd run for three weeks on a treadmill uh and then i was like you know you know what? i'm gonna go outside and like try and smash this session and 
uh, went for a training session. So a lot of our training was done at night. So we kind of got there and the sun was up and I'm like, yep, you know, let's, let's smash it. Started running and it was like all good. And then I started like fading big time and all of a sudden like light turned to dark so quick and where we were, um, it was like a big business like complex. So, you know, there weren't like a lot of lights around and stuff and there were like all these stray dogs and I'm like, I'm so scared. I'm stopping. (laughs) Like it was, yeah, not my smartest move, but um, you know, it's an Didn't experience. Didn't the dogs take uh, fancy to you at one Yeah, one yeah. So I think, yeah, the first time I tried running outside was during the auction. Yeah. Um, and it was like real easy, like half hour run. And I was like, you know, I'm going to do it like 6 a.m. before the streets get busy because like the streets are mental. Oh, like there's yeah. so many people, you know, going about their day. So I'm going to do it while the streets are empty. I tried going again like it was dark. The sun hadn't come up yet. Um, and I was like about a K away from the hotel. So I'm like only a couple of minutes from home. <laughs> and then this group of dogs, like this like stray wild dogs are like feasting on this like rubbish. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, like a bit random. Anyway, I was like, as I went past and I was looking at them, it was like all of them turned to me and were like, oh, and, like they just <laughs> they started. Like, That's him. Like, yeah. Like started running. And again, like they were like stray. So I didn't have any owners or anything. Yeah. Like they were literally like eating rubbish. And then like, they're running next to me and like, you know, I probably wanted to play like who knows, but I'm running here and I'm like, if I get bitten, like I could be You're finished. Cool. Like <laughs> yeah. don't worry about WPL. Like you'll be in hospital for the next like few months. So, um, yeah, what turned into an easy run turned yeah. into a pretty quick finish. <laughs> 1K max effort yeah. in the hotel. Yeah, gen- genuinely. Um, yeah, that was that was a scary one. And then back onto the treddy from then. Yeah, basically. yeah, no dogs around in the hotel gym. Far out. <laughs> Jeez. Now, let's um let's transition to the the cricket side of things. What we know you best for, but your role as an analyst, a lot of us understand that quite well as a cricketers. But for the listeners of she's in the game, they may think that analyst is just someone who um, looks at stats. But I feel like we we're aware there's a much much more to the role. So can you give our listeners a little bit of a insight into? the Benji role of an analyst? Yeah, so um, yeah, my role is a performance analyst with the Breakers and Sixers and Mumbai Indians as well. Um, yeah, it's a funny one. Like it's a lot about the stats and the numbers and the video and, and different things. But um, as I feel like the, the landscape is kind of changing a bit in cricket as well. So what used to be the analyst that, you know, I was, like, would sit in a dark room in a corner and like <laughs> never speak to a player or a coach, but, you know, send through a little stat pack or whatever it is uh, for the upcoming game. And, and that was the job and that was it. Whereas now, you know, it's a bit more player facing, you know, a bit of like presenting team meetings and, and that kind of stuff. And again, I've only been in it for you know, a bit over two years now. So I'm always learning and, and still young, but the things you pick up from different sports, um, and, you know, just from coming across different people along the way. And now visualisation is something I'm quite big on. So instead of just saying here are the numbers or here's the video, like how can we present that a bit better and really cater to the coaching staff and the players and, um, you know, you're doing all this work in the background and there's no point doing all the work if, again, that's not getting translated in the best possible way to, to the players on the field. So, yeah, a bit of a, a changing landscape and a lot of work involved, but I do love it. For for the listeners, there's more to more to cricket than just bowling and batting, right? So Benji's role, he gets the gets the cameras set up, he records basically all of the bowls and balls we face at training in the nets, whether that's taking a camera in the back of the car out to whatever turf wicket we're on for the day or, or here at, at Cricket Central set up. And he also records some of our fielding sessions and then with that footage, cuts it all up and puts it on a portal for us to look at and, and analyze. So um you must do a lot of editing. You're a bit of a whiz. Maybe we have to hire you for the game. But. I don't know. I do I do too much camera work as it is, I reckon. But it is interesting. Like again, a lot of footage or and stuff in training and you know, sometimes you can track different things at, at training for different players. As and, well as the coding. Yeah, so like coding stuff and then, you know, obviously with cameras there's a lot technically you can look at as well. And so working with the player and the coach to try and get the best possible result there and then yeah, you know, onto, you know, game day or of the season itself and, you know, a lot of opposition scouting and, you know, looking at different players and, you know, what their strengths and weaknesses are and how we can try and exploit some of those weaknesses. The wizard of uh, of the scouting meeting with Benji <laughs> Yeah, we get in there in the room, he's got all the stats up, he's got the PowerPoint, you make him look good as well, They're very engaging, yeah. not just a black and white kind of information. It's very, 
draws me in, I know. I'm a visual gal, so oh, I appreciate I'm a cricket that. so I love it. Yeah, yeah just yeah. chuck those numbers up there. But. <laughs> no, I love every part of it. But I think, like, the way you've worked in this role and made it sort of your own, like, I think we've been used to the analysts that, yeah, they don't – we don't have any contact with them. But you pretty much lead our scouting meetings now. Like, Gavin Lambo is our, our head coach and then bowling coach. Like, they'll take the groups after, but literally we'll sit in a room, we get all the info. Is that something you were passionate about coming into the role making sure – and obviously – as a heads up, listeners, he has played cricket. He does know the sport. Um, but, yeah, the, is that something when you came into the role, you're like, that's a role that I could really see myself doing or did someone come to you being like, we want you to take on a role like this, leading meetings like that? No, nah, so, again, it's like one of my learnings, like coming in and um, I'm so pretty lucky at Cooking South Wales now, like we have a full-time men's analyst, full-time women's analyst, um, a department manager and a data scientist, which is a lot more than, um, you know, any other state or sort of country at the moment even um but you know coming in a couple of years ago i was working across the men's and the women's and you're so scattered and you're doing so much work across everything and you know there's no time to sit there and make a powerpoint look pretty or you know chop up all this video and you kind of lose that impact that you have with the team and you sort of don't have that value uh, whereas you know the way i've been able to do it now i'm full time on one team you can spend a lot more time making things quality and and making it really purposeful and provide that value so yeah it's been a couple of years of feeling out like you know where is my value and that differs from team to team like breakers or sixes or or mi but you know where do i fit into the puzzle and um you know can it be more of a, a people facing role but yeah more from what i said before like you're doing all this work and it's not very rewarding if you're doing it and you know sending an email with a, a pdf and and that's it but if you know you're there in front of the group and you're having conversations with players and coaches and just sort of that that discussion back and forth and it makes all that work really rewarding and you know makes you want to keep doing it so yeah it's definitely a changing landscape but you know i'm always finding my way and finding new ways to go about it in terms of the <laughs> in terms of the physical sort of part of your job where does your role sort of differ in terms of a game day or a training day when you're working with us yep so a training day you know whether it's pre-season or in season but you know we've normally got a couple of cameras up and a couple of nets so um, you know clipping up that footage and yeah if there's anything um specific that we want to get out numbers wise as well so you know how many times we we're hitting off stump or hitting a certain length or <laughs> Um, you know, all that. Thank God for the silver bracket. <laughs> yeah. um, so we collect all these things during training and, you know, it's a big focus on that in pre-season. Um, whereas, yeah, on a game day, so the week, um, sort of week leading up to a game or a couple of games, um, you know, we have our scouting meeting nice and early. So our team um, meeting going through the opposition and, um, you know, we're breaking up into batters and bowlers and, um, and sort of doing our preparation that way. Uh, and then on a on a game day, it's more, yeah, tracking things that I want to track specifically. I know, you know, the data's been collected elsewhere that I can look at sort of post-match and do a bit more in review, uh, which is a big role for an analyst as well. But, yeah, on game day, I'm uh, just sort of keeping track of, you know, KPIs and different phases of the game. And so we can see really quickly, oh, you know, we've really won the game here or, or we've lost the game, um, all that kind of fun stuff. You reckon you could be an umpire yet with the amount of times yeah. mid-game? <laughs> I reckon it happens so often mid-game. We're like, Benji's that out? And you're like, nah, going down league. <laughs> it happens so like even I, I remember one of the games like someone's gotten out and they've literally like instead of walking into the dugouts, they've walked straight to Benji <laughs> yeah. to see the footage. Give me the replay. Like, yeah, exactly. Need to see it now. Yeah. That was so good. No umpire career coming up? No, nah, I don't think so. I mean. Need the replay? Yeah. I don't even know if I could stand for that long as well. Like. Combined Runs marathons, yeah. but doesn't think he can stay for that. <laughs> you need that recovery, you know. Like you're running so often on your feet. Anytime you can sit down, I think you you definitely take that. But yeah, that not one. not at this stage. Umpires cop so much. I feel for them sometimes. Maybe we also. need to get an umpire on the potty. Claire Polisak's okay. outside. She'll be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't deal with that kind of backlash at the moment. I reckon. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough gig. You got You got to have thick skin as an mm. umpire. Right? Yeah, but, yeah, um, real yeah. poker face. So. So much cricket for you to watch. Um, how much do you think you watch weekly when you uh, put together stat packs or, or footage packs for us? Yeah, quite a bit. So it's been interesting as well, like going down just the women's cricket path now. I find like I don't have a lot of time or interest to watch a lot of men's cricket. So even during um, 
like BBL, um, which is like peak cricket time, yeah. like January, February. But, you know, we're playing WNCL, so I'm more worried about watching yeah. South Australia versus Queensland um, and watching that throughout the day. And then, you know, the big bash is on at night and I'm like, oh, I'm a bit like cricketed out for the yeah. day. Yeah, so. Never. Um, like you watch a fair, fair bit of footage. And can't relate. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I want to watch everything. <laughs> um, yeah, a fair bit of footage. So it might be like that. We have a friend Ooh. of the pod. Oh, special, special guest. Hey, guys. Hey, Benji. Hey, Phoebes. What's hey, going on? Do you want a quick cameo? Hey, guys. <laughs> you just been for a run. I have. Good friend, you know. Have you talked about Miracle? Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. Like, I literally like, wanted to like, give you like 10 kudos. Oh, all about the kudos. <laughs> all the kudos. Can like, you say this in the mic? Oh, can you not hear me? <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. You can, like, just do some editing or something. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, Phoebes. Um, that's great. We love Phoebe. <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, all right. Yeah, how much uh, we were talking about? How much footage? That's right. Um, so, yeah, like, some some days are different. Sometimes it might be, like, yeah, 15, 20 hours a week. Like, I put a number on it. Like, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's pretty crazy. But, that's you know, when... That's job, though. I mean, like... It is your job. So, you set, like, you're sitting there, you're watching every opposition player... So you know, different different processes you can go through, but you know if you want to watch where they're hitting boundaries, so you spend a lot of time watching that, or how we're getting them out, uh, how they got out, and you know breaking that down into different bowler types and different phases of the game, and as you can go down a lot of rabbit holes, and it, it takes a lot of time, but um, you know you've got to do that to then be able to build that picture and. Um, I kind of see that as my job as the analyst. I could go through all that hard work and all those hours, you know, looking at these numbers and looking at video and then so I can come to you guys as the players or coaching staff and like, oh, here are the five key points and here's the, you know, five or ten balls that I've clipped up, even though I've probably watched a thousand on that player. <laughs> but, you know, here are the, here's the here's ones the that... Key ones. Yeah, here's the ones that tell the story and make it easier for you guys to go do your thing. That's crazy. I think this is a bit unexpected and I'm going to throw both of us under the bus Ooh. here. But before we talk WPL, that's going to finish off, finish off this app. But if we were to sit here right now and go, okay, for both Mato and I, who gets us out the most and oh who do we God. get out the most? Maybe we should have given you homework. Yeah. Maybe, but like not even just a specific like, oh, my God, um, who gets me out all the time? Leg spin, whatever. But like does something <laughs> come to mind when you think of both of us in when terms of – When you see players – do you yeah. just instantly think like I know your strengths and weaknesses rather than hey, Oh yeah, like Sammy Joe would get you out for fun. <laughs> yeah. It's funny sometimes, like probably not for you guys, because it's always looking at the opposition, yeah. right? So maybe Ham when you're in your, your lime green and mm. that disgusting colour in, in WBL. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you just get made out of facing. Yeah. But you know, even like, you know, working with different players in WPL and all these people that like you've scouted for so long as like, opposition and it's like, you. Oh now you're on my team and it's like Oh, yeah, you average like five against leg spin and a leg he comes on and you're like, oh, no, like <laughs> she's gone, like chaos. Um, but, yeah, it's quite funny. You just say like that. The, the, I was going to say the schwinkter titans when you see someone walk <laughs> out to face their kryptonite. Definitely, definitely. Benji just sinks into his chair like I can't say He's anything. Like, oh, I'm just going to go into the change rooms for a bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can't, can't watch. Can't watch. Um, yeah. All right, well, getting away from the cricket then, have you done any work with uh, other sports and how did you end up in cricket? Yeah, so it's a bit of an interesting story. Like, again, you play sport as a kid and, like, all you want to do is be a professional cricketer, which, you know, you guys get to do and that's so cool, but not everyone gets to live that dream. Not everyone makes it. Um, so, you know, they get to a certain point where you're like, oh, you know, I'm not going to make it. I'm probably going to need to do something to earn a living. Um, so what everyone does that, you know, you love PE in school and you do that, you're 11 and 12. Uh, and then I went and did sport and exercise science at uni, which is, you know, a pretty general degree, pretty basic degree. Um, it's not really leading to a job anywhere, but it's like, oh, I like sport. This is sport. Like, you know, it's going to be pretty cool or pretty interesting. Um, so I did that. It's a three-year degree. Um, and on at the end of that, I got an internship with the Giants. So doing AFL um, stuff, which was an analyst position. So even at uni, like, there's no real analysis subjects. Like, you know, you learn heaps of really cool physical things and stuff that Sean talks to you all the time about as, as an S&C. So you learn all that in the background, which is really cool. Um, and then, yeah, they sort of advertised through the uni for this intern position, uh, being a performance analyst. And, you know, I'm a cricket nuffy, but I'm a bit of a footy nuffy as well. And I do love my giants. So I thought, you know, this would be a perfect opportunity. Um, so I went in there and again, different sport and I don't know as much about uh, footy as I do about cricket, but I was really keen to learn 
Um, and yeah, all the analysis processes were were really cool. Like I like to think of myself as a pretty hard worker. So, you know, doing all that extra work in the background to then, you know, get that reward of being able to bring something to a player or, you know, the reward of a win when the matchup is right or something like that was really cool. Um, so that was really good. That was on the back of uni and then about four months into that, so a three or four month preseason, I was like, you know, this is all working really well. And that's when COVID hit, like March, 2020. Um, so then, you know, obviously they stopped the comp for a few weeks. Um, no one was allowed into the club, especially not interns. And I was like, oh, like I'm in a bit of strife here. But yeah, what ended up happening was the the analysis manager at the Giants knew someone here at Cricket New South Wales and, you know, a job wasn't advertised or anything, but Cricket were um, looking for, you know, some kind of young casual to come on and, and help with the analysis. And um, yeah, Giants manager was like, I know a guy. Um, put my name forward and it it definitely is and like I think it's actually a really important message like sometimes you can do a lot of this work like some of my mates that did exercise and sports science as well you know spend so many years doing work for free as an intern in different sports and different roles and different teams and you know not everyone gets there in a role in sport Um, so to be able to do that pretty early is pretty cool but also shows you like you never know who's really watching Mm. you know you think you're doing all this hard work and you think it goes unnoticed sometimes but um you know that manager at the giants in those couple of months was sort of able to see me and yeah just identify the talent (laughs) talent it no um you know got me a a casual gig over here in cricket and um you know someone that was working here as a full-time analyst quit a couple of months later and kind of went straight into that role and the rest is history. And embrace the stuff shit out of it and now we don't want to get rid of you. I'm stuck here now. <laughs> um, didn't you, uh, was it last year or a couple of years ago, didn't you go down to Melbourne and do a bit of work with, was it the Pies or? Coffee? No, I went to Adelaide. So oh, we, Adelaide. Yeah, okay. so um, we went into the Crows. So, yeah, it was July last year. So last sort of off-season or pre-season. But, again, like, that's where I think like cricket's pretty far behind in the analysis kind of scope when you're looking at other sports and what they're doing. So AFL, like on a match day, you know, all their coding and stuff is outsourced. So they sit there in the box. Um, you know, the head analyst is often sitting right next to the head coach and, you know, they're getting 350 different like data points and measures and things throughout the game and, you know, tracking quarter by quarter and, you know, by game, you know, we're plus 10 in tackles here um, or, you know, we're minus 10 in inside 50s. We're getting smashed in this area. Um, so there's that real sort of analysis focus and integration within a coaching group and there's that kind of role on game day, which there probably isn't for cricket yet but again shows how much you can learn so yeah we went down to Adelaide and uh, we're there for yeah, I think from Wednesday through to Sunday so we saw a couple of training sessions you know saw their scouting meetings opposition meetings uh, leading in and um, again yeah they've got some pretty experienced analysts down there so that's where I kind of got all the visual stuff from so the way they were able to present info and you know all the colors are right and you know it's red yellow and the navy blue of Adelaide Crows but you know they're the right ones and the values and the messages everywhere and you know that was really cool and I took took a lot out of that Um, and it was actually a really good week because they were big underdogs going up against Carlton who um, you know should have been a finals team last year and they weren't but um, Adelaide are quite a young list so the big underdogs and the way they kind of presented that message throughout the week uh, was really cool to watch uh, and then they ended up doing it over the uh, over Carlton on Saturday night and, and getting a massive upset win in front of their home crowd and that was really cool to be a part of change room experience yeah absolutely yeah so you know we're in there all week and uh, credit to them like it was yeah access all areas pretty much for that week so it wasn't as if it was oh you know this is a selection meeting so so you guys aren't allowed in. Um, you know, we're, we're literally a fly on the wall for, for every meeting and that was such a cool experience and shows how much you can learn from different teams and different sports and different people along the way. That's insane. And then to finish off here, I think speaking of cool experiences, we've got to speak about the WPL. First of all, how did it come about? Yeah. Uh, so fortunate enough that Charlotte Edwards, Lottie, we love Lottie. Um, Lottie. She's our Sydney Sixers head coach last year. Um, so that was the first time we met and first time working together. And um, yeah, sort of through the pipeline, it was all very hush-hush um, when it was coming about because, you know, when she kind of reached out that there might be an opportunity here, um, you know, the WPL hadn't even really been announced yet, the five teams with franchises weren't announced yet either um 
auction dates, competition dates, like nothing was announced. So it was all super hush hush. Um, but you know, she had been approached to be head coach by by Mumbai at the time. But um, and you know, she had the opportunity to ask ask for an international analyst. They said to come along, and um, it was just going to be for the auction to start with. And um, if they liked what I did, then the option was there for the tournament as well. So it was all about that auction to start with. But yeah, that came through with the relationship with with Lottie. I That's think- pretty cool because, like, what an impression you would have made on Lottie. Like, Lottie's been around cricket for ages for you guys to just meet, be together for six weeks in a team and then all of a sudden she wants you out of everyone around the world. Like, that must must have been a pretty cool feeling and, and such a boost to your confidence. I yeah, guess. it's like, yeah, a bit of a pinch yourself moment, I guess, like any time you're working with anyone. But, you know, I remember the first time we teamed or Zoomed, whatever it was, um, when she got announced for the Sixers gig and... You know, it's like, oh, this is like Charlotte Edwards. This yeah. is like an absolute legend of the game. And, you know, that first time speaking online to then, yeah, working so close with the Sixers. And, um, yeah, obviously really, really fortunate that, um, yeah, she kind of put my name forward for the, the analyst position to work with her again. And, um, yeah, absolutely loved it. But, again, just in sport, it's all about who you know and different opportunities and, and things like that. So making the impression on those people, even if you don't think you are, like you, you never know who you who's looking and, and who's liking what you do. That's crazy, I think, to have the opportunity to go over for the auction. But obviously you did something right at the auction. So can you speak us through sort of the process of the auction? I know I absolutely love anything, this like cricket selection-wise, tactics, anything like that. But what was your sort of specific role for the auction? How did the auction go in terms of um, not necessarily your plan? You don't have to give all secrets the of secrets. who you wanted. <laughs> Exclusive. <the amount> <laughs> But I think like how it sort of went well enough for then you were back, what, a week later joining the squad um, for the full tournament. Yeah, so again, um, it was, you know, the first WPL, first women's tournament, but Mumbai um, is such a such a big franchise over there. So they've done, you know, 16 auctions for the men's stuff. So uh, yeah, going over was um, we never had an auction in the women's game. So I was like, how do you value this one player over another um, or different skill sets and, and things like that? So it was a bit of bit of unknown, a bit of guesswork for a while. And, um, you know, we, we worked together for a couple of days and, and talking about different names um, and, and different values you might put on people. And then, um, you know, working with all the management team at, at Mumbai who've done this for, uh, you know, for so many years um, and, it's quite funny working out which processes they use for the men and you know some of that worked for the women's game but some didn't so you know for the IPL obviously there's you know a million different T20 competitions everywhere for the guys so they might say oh we want one of our overseas is um, going to be an opening batter that's going to take it on in the power play Um, and we've got these 10 Indian right hand options these 10 Indian left hand options and like these 20 international options um and so like all of a sudden there's like 40 names for like one Mm, position which like you need option options uh in an auction because you don't always get the player you want but so it's a bit of a different one but yeah that that week was crazy so uh, we had a lot of our meetings at uh, the owner's house um yeah which um again another like pinch yourself moment like one of the the richest we love her the fangirl yeah yeah now the ambani family uh uh, very nice and welcomed us into their home on multiple occasions. But yeah, you know, it's one of the biggest residential houses in the world or, or something like that. But uh, we had many, many late night meetings. Um, like how late are we talking? Uh, so the one before, the night before the auction, we were there till 4.30 in the morning. What time did the auction start? Uh, it was like 11. Wait, what time did you go to the house? Uh, I think we got there at nine at night. Oh, oh, that's okay, so no. late still. Yeah, but I mean, that's like all all day yeah. we're we're doing um like we did a lot of mock auctions and yeah. and stuff like that. So a lot of practice goes to sort of see, you know, what players might go for or or who's not getting picked up and that kind of stuff. So you kind of do all that in the day, uh, and then I was like, oh, okay, now we get to the night and it's serious business. Yeah. Um, but you know, you're only there like for a week to talk about this stuff and. Again, different staff, different management, like thrown together, and you got to all come to something that you agree with. And um, yeah, it's quite an interesting experience to go through. But yeah, obviously, like something worked. We got a got a team that we're pretty happy with, and yeah, rest how, is history. How, yeah, like how was that experience being a part of the the winning side? What was it like? Just 
the whole atmosphere and the whole experience of it. Yeah, our atmosphere is incredible. Like cricket is definitely a religion in India. Yeah. Like everyone absolutely loves it. And um, I think, you know, to be a part of, you know, sitting there in a dugout and um, obviously Mumbai, the whole competition was in Mumbai. So we're the home team for every game, which is a pretty cool experience. Sure. But, um, you know, pack stadium, so like 30 grand, 35,000 people in a stadium uh, for pretty much all of our games and all screaming Mumbai and yeah. – and girls like Izzy Wong, who are like, you know, might have been relatively unknown, hasn't played a lot of cricket for. Takes a hattie. Yeah, it takes a hat trick, and the crowd's going like, Wongy, Wongy. Like, That's so cool. But, you know, it's so loud and um, such an incredible atmosphere. And yeah, they, they literally treat cricket as like gods and goddesses. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, to be a part of that whole experience. And you know, any time someone sees you walking in a Mumbai shirt, and, you know, like people want to get photos and just like, it just. Yeah, it is crazy how much they love cricket and just want any piece of it that they can. Yeah, that's awesome. Was uh, did you have to rock up to the ground in a plank kit like uh, Ash did? <laughs> did you rock up in a good drag kit? Yeah, uh, no, we put our foot down pretty early. I think there was an option for all the staff to wear a plank kit, and we kind of went. Oh, I don't think uh, many of us are keen on that, so we got to stick in training gear, which was good. Like I'm a big shorts guy. Yeah. Um, our breakers head coach Gav Twining has rubbed off on me. Shorts, shorts only. <laughs> shorts, no, winter shorts. yeah, no long pants, no trousers. So I'm very much a shorts yeah. guy, and yeah, so I wasn't real keen to be wearing the the playing pants in pretty hot, hot sticky weather. Um, so we got out of that one pretty quick. Was your role pretty similar to what it's like back home? Analyzing the game, giving the review, the scouting meeting. Was it pretty similar to what you experienced back home, or was it something that you just had to? juggle and make it your own over there yeah so it was interesting experience so again getting to work with Lottie was was massive so we'd obviously work together really well at the Sixers so a lot of um the stuff we did was quite similar similar kind of processes um but again yeah like Mumbai Indians have have their own processes in the way that you know they do their analysis so it's like different data different video places so there's a lot of me trying to get my head around you know all their kind of processes which is so different from home and um you know to their credit i didn't come in and and they said oh you have to do things this way this is what the analyst does they sort of gave me the freedom to be able to be me a little bit which is quite nice like you know having to work with all these new things was already a pretty big deal so you know having a familiar face in Lottie and you know Lydia Greenway who we've worked with at the yes. Sixers as well so having those that bit of familiarity was really important on top of all all the new learnings but yeah keeping things pretty similar to the Sixers which um you know tend to be a pretty successful process but again like even the way we run scouting meetings for you know the Sixers or Mumbai who are like a bit more of an experienced experienced groups compared to the Breakers who you know in the last couple of years have been that sort of younger group um so again like the way we run those meetings is quite different so again just a, a different team different individuals uh you know get to work with is is a pretty cool experience well Bench, thank you very much. That was a um, incredible sort of insight. Yeah. I definitely learnt many things, and I have even considered knowing before. And it all takes just asking a question to find out. So thankfully, all the listeners get to hear that as well. So Davey's gonna froth this app. <laughs> <laughs> first listen, first yeah, download. Yeah. He, he might even get an exclusive. Um, he might while you're editing. He's play. like over the like, laptop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, thanks, Bench. Um, that was awesome. I think yeah. Congrats on Boston Mara, a WPL medal. Where are you hanging that at the moment? So, um, yeah, it's been a, a great app and we can't wait to see what you've got in store for the next little bit, whether it's another marathon, whether it's a new probably invention in the scouting game. We uh, we can't wait. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's been good. Like It's been yeah, a couple of hectic months, so it'd be good just to, to chill out for a little bit. But as I said at the start, when you guys have 5,000 episodes <laughs> yeah. and 10 million followers, they'd be like, oh, you know, I was there. I was like the first 10. So, um, yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great. No Anytime, Benj. Thank you. Just quickly keep up to date on uh, Benji.runs on TikTok. Thanks, guys. See ya. See ya.